live from Mighty Trapdoor Mansion, high atop Tent Hill, it's We Talk Games Video Power Magazine, featuring Frank Hemblin, Horace Pengrove, William Bentley III, with Stinky the Game Master, T.T. Schmootkins, Tishka Honeypot, Alex Greenspan, and Cut Cockbirth! save the day oh, oh yeah i like popeye no that's underdog <laughs> i thought it was i thought it was andy kaufman you're right it, it is, is andy, andy kaufman. kaufman that's right this is a record player he popped those pills and <laughs> okay we all know mighty mouse all right here we go i am wiggly and i am part of the we talk games crew and this is arcade weekly i guess we do this once a month or something once it's a that, week oh jesus what the fuck it's not annual it should be annual. One arcade game a year we do. It's all you need. And one console <laughs> game a year. On the uh, Skype pipe, as you could hear, we have someone from the New Jersey. His name is Keith the RoboDuke. Ahoy. And then we go up from there, up. Even though we live on a globe, I'm going to say up. Mm. And that's in the New York region, yeah. right in downtown, 42nd Street. He lives in the Rockefeller Center. Here he is, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Von Kubik. Von Kubik. Listen well, please. <laughs> Listen well every time I talk to you. Listen well. Listen, Listen well. Well, well what? <laughs> Let me predicate this sentence by saying, "Listen well." Hey, this is our wrap-up of our endless spring concert series, powered by Retim. That's right. And we finish up with the band Lonely Rolling Stars, our very special guest who's been on the show before, Grant Henry. This is a band that he formed with a bunch of his cohorts. They put out some great music, and today's track is Royal Rainbow Road. I've never heard of such a thing. Check them out at Lonely Rolling Stars. Yeah. S-T-A-R-S. He loves to spell things. Bandcamp.com. Kyle loves spelling. Yeah, I do, because people get confused when they hear words. Well, you need to say the name of it. I get confused when I say them. You say it, then you spell it, then you say it again. And sometimes you can ask for a definition (laughs) or it's used in a sentence. Country of origin. Yes. Did you ever see that one called spelling bee words or whatever it's called? Bad words, it's called. Bad words. Yeah, that's a good flick. I like that. You know, everyone pooped on it, and it's pretty pretty lousy, but I like to watch that. I didn't think it was lousy. I thought it was good for what it was. It's funny. Yeah, yeah it's a good little independent comedy. Don't shit on fucking I'm, movies trying to do something different. And uh, you guys all got your hard-ons for your fucking comic book movies. Now everyone's like, boo-hoo, it's all copy and paste. It was always copy and paste. 
It's people in fucking tights fighting bad guys. What the fuck do you think it is? Listen, Idiots. they're not the superheroes anyway. I heard this. I set the distinction between the movie versions and the comic versions a long time ago. Well, then don't call it Condor or something like uh, Stan Lee did with his stupid spinoff things. Condor and I can't remember the other one. Uh, Stripperella. <laughs> yes, Keith, points. <laughs> no, there were actually two uh, like comic book uh, heroes that he tried to create that were like other comic heroes, but one was called Condor and the other one was like called, I don't know, Starlight Twinkle. We talked about this in the past. Yeah. Stan Lee is remembered for the good things, yeah. not the bad things, much like Steven Spielberg. Right. Yeah. yeah but yeah, just everyone's crying no about No disassemble! <laughs> People out there... Instead of shitting on things that aren't, you know, you don't like, find something you do like. Right, exactly. And enjoy that instead. Yeah, yeah Wiggly. <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, me. Hey, I did like the Daredevil series. Uh, uh, number yes. one, it initially started out, and I was like, oh, my God, they're really keeping the story. <laughs> This is like the first time ever. And then he kept wearing that goddamn hood and that looked like the the 1980s version of him from uh, Trial of the Incredible Hulk. And I was like, oh, no. But, you know, you see the beginning, he's got the horns and everything else. So I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, this is going to happen. And I was like, oh, my God, when the fuck is he going to start wearing an outfit? <laughs> and then the very last episode, he does. It's all leather and, you know, this and that. But. I think there might be a smoother outfit coming, uh, mm. but I'm 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 unsure because I might be confusing that with the Flash. Which I'm I f- glad you enjoyed that series. Yeah, I enjoyed it too, and I I was afraid that you were going to get upset because there was no DD on his chest, like <laughs> well, some of the other people out there. Well, but I, I really dug it, and to be honest, I wasn't ever really into Daredevil. And as far as Kingpin was concerned, my only memories of him were from. You know, Spider-Man, the animated series, sure. where he, yeah, was a, he was a joke. He was a very stupid villain. He was oh. just a fat guy who would be like, I'm going to get you, Spider-Man. No, like he's him. not. That's all muscle. See, that's where people yes, make yes. a mistake. That's all muscle. He's not fat. So since then, I've learned about the character because of this series. Because oh, okay. The character in the series is so deep. And I've heard other people say this, but I think this is the first time in a Marvel franchise that's on television or in film where there's actually an interest in the villain. And they've actually given the villain some complexity and humanity about his character. I really dig it. I'm looking forward to the next season of this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it has absolutely nothing to do with what the what we're talking about today. No, but I think it's important that we give it props because they actually stuck to a story. They stuck to a story mm-hmm. about his death. I mean, the the casting choices. Uh, I'm not always a hundred percent behind, but that's okay. You know, his dad doesn't look like a big palooka that's all beat up and cauliflower ears and all that. But they still did the same thing. He didn't want to take a dive. All this other stuff. We got Karen page where they kept the name foggy nelson yes. right there i knew that stan lee doesn't have anything to do with this program <laughs> yeah. and uh, and foggy is uh, one of the mighty ducks that's right yeah and uh, kingpin is that other good actor uh, i don't think he looks anything like kingpin but that's all right you know vincent d'onofrio yeah known mostly that. for his role as the roach monster in men in black <laughs> oh well that show i haven't seen yet uh, and leland is the uh dick bag uh prison <laughs> warden from shawshank redemption oh 
which I learned about recently. And I, every time he was on the screen, I just had this like bubbling up emotion about it. And I'm like, oh. like he, he's a good actor. Yeah. But why do I hate his character yeah. so much? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, that's because I had like uh, an hour and a half or two hours worth of hating that fucking guy <laughs> right. in a previous movie. Right. Yeah, I like Shawshank except for the, when the bees fly out of that guy's mouth. <laughs> One more thing, and Sharon. Now, now I forgot her. It's her name. Osborne. No, what's her name in there? Um, Sharon Stone. No, what's a Daredevil's girlfriend's name? Oh, Rosario Dawson. I had it, but hopefully, like she'll turn to drugs and stuff like that, like in the comic, and, and um, you know, maybe we'll see Electra and all this other stuff. I don't. Who knows? Who knows? We might not, but it would be really neat if she maintained the characteristics as what happens in a comic. And here's another great thing about it: and blow the whole fucking wad on the first, you know, series. Like people are still alive. Like yeah. normally, if it was a movie, Kingpin would be dead in like the first episode. Yeah, no, they oh, we the story him. up real well because, you know, they didn't know if they're going to get picked up for sure. another season. So sure. they have a nice story arc where it's a beginning, middle and end. And spoilers, at the end, he finally dons the suit. But you feel this sense of completion. Yeah, it could go anywhere. Like, you know, like one of those movies where we don't tell you what happens next. Karen Page. That's who I'm thinking of as well. Oh, yeah. I was thinking. No. Yeah. I was thinking of the other the girl who is his girlfriend in the uh, the series. The gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I know that. The best part, no Colin Farrell is bullseye. That's the <laughs> best, best part of the whole thing. You know, I, let's keep the characters on the people, though. Let's not, not do that. It's really sad when they do that to me, because that's what these millions of fans to these characters is their fucking costumes and who they were and everything else. And you go and you just suck all the life out of them and make them stupid. Exactly. The Crystal of Kings. Boy, is that a Japanese game. The Crystal of Kings. Oh, I already gave my hint for this. I really wanted my hint to be, did I just see someone cut the sword and the stone in half? Yeah. 2001 by SNK. Not a lot of people heard of this. I brought this up to take the place of what? Tank? T-Mac. T-Mac. That's it. Yeah, it's T-Mac. Which, uh, none of us had a T-Mac machine to <laughs> play it. Yeah, and then none of us had uh, that, that game for the Xbox with the giant controller, so we couldn't use that. We didn't have Steel Battalion either, so right. we, couldn't, we couldn't use that to control T-Mac. So this has nothing to do with anything superhero related. It is all fantasy related. It is all that fantasy shit that you now everybody wets their drawers about. It's called Crystal Kings by SNK 2001. Yep. And uh, it was this- developed by Eolith and Brezasoft. And Brezasoft, I just want to bring up real quick. They actually developed the hardware that was supposed to replace the Neo Geo MVS, which was called the Crystal System. Oh, gotcha. Unfortunately, we're talking 2001, and <laughs> right. we all know what happened to SNK yeah. in 2001. But if you're not aware, they went fucking belly up, bankrupt. And that is when they got restructured into SNK Playmore. Sure, right. Yeah. So this hardware never really uh, got any traction in the arcades, because in 2001, what fucking arcades were there? Yeah. Everybody was playing pinball. Yeah. <laughs> in the dump. Yeah, this is a side-scrolling haymaker, and of course, as I mentioned, it is fantasy-based. As I discussed with Keith, I believe this is a direct influence of the Lord of the Rings, the film, mm. particularly, mm-hmm. which came out in two thousand one. 
Gotcha. Lord of the Rings, Crystal of the Kings. I'm right seeing on. a connection. Yeah, yeah I, I can see some some sleazy businessman up in an office, you know, just like, yeah, they like the fantasy, let's put one of them out, you know. Yeah, they want one of them hobbits riding an anteater. Let's put that in this game. Yeah, he's got a little bow and arrow and he shoots little peppermint sticks at the enemies. <laughs> the reason I also picked this game was because I was trying to make reparations for John not caring so much for Trog, which was like a claymation type of game, and everyone completely crapping and smearing it in and making the Boston pancake on... <laughs> Let's not go back to that. <laughs> Death Braid, which was a fantasy-based fighting game. That's why I brought this into the mix, because it's both fantasy-based, it's got your dragons and your things like this, and it's also sort of like motion capture of clay. The most commonly known would be Primal, Primal Rage. Rage. Yeah, Primal Rage. That's sort of what you could probably relate to the easiest, but here's Keith with the making mechanics. As I said, I'd be a rem- I would be remiss to steal a word from Kyle. To not mention Kung Fu Master, 1984. Oh, my royalty Wait. check. <laughs> it's remissed. 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 You never heard of that. But. I want my royalty check. <laughs> you got to mention Kung Fu Master, one of the first side-scrolling, punching dude, haymaker games. But uh, the one this definitely was the most heavily influenced by would be Golden Axe in 1989. Classic side-scrolling beat-em-up game. I have fond memories of going to my uncle's indoor soccer games just so I could play Golden Axe in the arcade with my cousin and not pay attention to the game at all. And also Final Fight came out in 1989 as well, which was also a big influence just on the genre of beat-em-ups. You know, it was one of the first, I think, that got it really perfect between Golden Axe and Final Fight. As well as abuse toward women. Yes, as well as taught you how to or punch transgender people yeah, or whatever they were. Was that poison? But it really did break open that genre. Did it, what, did hitting it, women? Yeah, <laughs> the women beaten genre. The genre of finding whole turkeys in the trash. <laughs> Another Somebody threw out Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> All right, now I have more health to go take out the baddies. Also, another influence on this, even more so than the original Golden Axe, uh, Golden Axe, The Revenge of Death Adder from 1992, which was only an arcade game. While on the Sega Genesis, there was Golden Axe 2 and Golden Axe 3. They never released Revenge of the Death Adder, which was really cool because I think it had four characters. Yeah, four players. And you can play it in real life at Barcade in New York City, the Chelsea location. And it is beautiful. You can also play it at some shitty theme park in Orlando I went to two years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got all the I'm, way to Death Adder and ran out of credits on my card and couldn't aw. finish the game because couldn't get to the machine suit enough. But I was really reminded of this one because the main character in The Crystal of Kings is like a little hobbit guy riding on an anteater. Yeah. And he reminded me of two of the characters from Golden Axe Revenge of the Death Adder, one being like the little elf guy with a pitchfork. Mm-hmm. who uh, is like a tiny <laughs> little elf sort of guy who grows plants, which his special ability is freaking great. He grows yeah. health further, yeah. Then the other one is a large, isn't there like a big dude with the little dwarf from the original Golden Axes on his back? Yes. So you got the guy riding the other one, which reminds me of this. And I got to say, the main character in this game does not look like a main character in any game. But anyway, uh, similarities <laughs> to this. Did donkey, anybody here pick him? I actually <laughs> thought he was the best out of the four. Really? Because he had the range and uh, his, his name's Soko or Kako. Kako, Coco. As we, as we were trying to determine <laughs> offline. 
as Wiggly said, this game does have a bit of a clay look to it. Reminds me a little bit of a Claymates or Clay Fighter from 1993 on SNES, but is also similar to some early shooters from SNK, Polestar in 1995, Viewpoint in 1992. So I'm doing this a little out of order. Yeah, 92 Viewpoint, a lot of people loved this game. This game was Zaxxon done right. (laughs) Uh, You you didn't have the up and down, but it was this pre-rendered graphics, which is very similar in sheen and look of Crystal of Kings. I I keep wanting to say the King of Crystals. The Crystal (laughs) of Kings. That would make more sense. Yeah, I'm not really King of Crystal Light, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> I think viewpoint is a benchmark for that isometric view and also the fact that it used this pre-rendered graphics to make it move forward. And then uh, Polestar, when was Prehistoric Isle 2? Uh, 1999, Prehistoric Isle 2. Okay, so that was out. way late. Polestar was... 95 on Polestar. 95. That game is unbelievable because it was a 3D game before Polygon games existed because it did it all with pre-rendered Polygon sprites. But that is a shooter shooter. Anyone that is a fan of shooters will really enjoy uh, Polestar. And then its predecessor was Blazing Star, I believe, which is another phenomenal parallax out the wazoo, but that's uh, only pixel art. But Polestar is a shooter-shooter, as I mentioned. Yeah, and it also, uh, it looks a lot, I mentioned Donkey Kong Country, but Mm. uh, Kyle mentioned to me before the show, it looks way more like Killer Instinct. Uh Uh-huh. And I just thought of it now, it also kind of looks like a lot of some of the early PlayStation games, the the video sequences, kind of like the openings of some fighting games where the characters are these pre-rendered smoother than the very boxy forms you have when you play the game. It looks like that. It almost kind of looks like more simpler how the characters look in the Resident Evil 2 cinematic scenes. They're very smooth and, and they're defined well enough, but the game just does not look like it came from 2001. No. It looks like something that should have come out in like 1995, maybe 96, yeah. because even they pre-render all these graphics and they, and even in the cinema scenes or the openings, they mostly just move the pre-rendered images around to show animation. There's not much animation in any of the scenes. All the animation happens uh, while you're fighting there, punching the guys. Yeah. Making Mechanics is any beat-em-up game, really, in the end, (laughs) since this came out in 2001 after that genre became unpopular. (laughs) What were all those fantasy games by Capcom? Oh, yeah, I would... I'm so off base because there are a million, million uh, fighters for Capcom that would inspire this, like the Dungeons & Dragons games, Mm -hmm. uh, Tower of Doom and the Shadows over Mystaria, as well as Warriors of Fate from 1992, which was sort of like a, uh, I think it takes from the Three Kingdoms stories, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, Mm -hmm. and does a uh, side-scrolling beat-em-up with that. I mean, Capcom was the champion of these games back in the day. King of Dragons in 91, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs in 1993, (laughs) Armored Warriors in 1994, and uh, my favorite, my personal favorite of all of them, uh, Captain Commando in 1991. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I don't care for that game. Close second on that, Alien vs. Predator 1994, (laughs) one of the other really great ones. Yeah, or even The Punisher, which came out, I don't know no, what year, I don't I have like it here. Punisher, and he could be Nick Fury as well. Yeah, the real Nick games. Fury. 
friends. That was short, but short but sweet. Yeah. So your characters in this are Sako, as you mentioned. <laughs> Soko? Kid Sako. Yeah, Soko. He's Soko, an Earth. Line. Listen well. He's listen well, Sako. <laughs> He's an Earth magic summoner. Then you got Lusto Furia. He's the master of Dragon Ball Magical Flames. Yeah, he's the <laughs> handsome anime hunk. He is. Uh, going back to Lustro, if you hold up on your controller for a few seconds, he actually, his character skin changes and he looks more like Conan the Barbarian. Oh, okay. Just for that one character, they had an alternate skin. So when you're on the character select screen, if you hold up, instead of looking like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, you'll look like Conan the Barbarian. Ah, Conan O'Doyle. There's your uh, pro player tip for this game. And then we have uh, Lung King, who actually is not the king of lungs, but he's an employer of lightning <laughs> magic. Lung Zing? Yeah. It's an X, not a K. Oh, well, that's different. I, yeah. just, I just called him the Mandarin. He totally looks like uh, Ming from Flash Gordon. He's the Chinese stereotype wizard. And then yes. we also have the person that I was, of course, just to see ya, just to see ya. I just wanted to see ya, I just wanted to see your side boob. Mm. Just to see ya, the summoner of the magic of light and the power of side boob with the bounce physics and pixel nipples. I'm, I'm yes. glad you made note of that as well, because I took specific note that <laughs> Justicia has booby bouncing action. She does. I wrote the bounce. <laughs> <laughs> But, all kidding aside, uh, this is a two-player game, which, again, very odd for 2001, two-player. You figure it'd be, a, you know, at least a four-player game where there's four characters to choose from. Why not? But if you are playing it with someone else, she's a great asset to a team because each character has a different element for their magic abilities. Hers is light. And where they cap as far as their magic's concerned, where, you, you know, you fill up a meter and then you fill up these three levels of magic and her max cap hurts all the enemies on the screen, but also heals the team. And it's beautiful. And which is excellent to have uh, on your own, of course, but when you're playing with somebody else, great support character. Also another thing, not one button wee wee action. You have three buttons and a joystick. Yes. Kyle, are you playing a, a game and watch game? No. Oh, yeah, I keep hearing that. I know that. That's, that's the sound of Mr. Game & Watch I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. No time for you will pass, listeners. All right, you're back. I think you sound good. Yeah, I was playing Zelda Game & Watch from 1989. You ass. Sorry. Yeah, I guess there's no pause or save on that one. So. No. Let me yeah. put that away. So what were you saying about this? Uh, oh, I was saying no one-button wee-wee actions. To me, I don't know. The stages are, are grand. I think it's a lot yeah. of eye candy. I sort of put away the 2001 and not really think about that. Um, yeah. I think the characters are huge, especially, as I mentioned like last week, I think that they sort of blow their graphic wad on the first level when you're running through this huge giant castle and all the townsfolk are running away from the monsters that are going to be coming at them. And this one tower just falls down like right in front of the steps that you're running across. I think it's grand to me. You're right. There's yeah, not a lot I of animation, but the characters are are fantastic, I think. No, I think 2001 helps the game. There's some interesting effects that are used. Mm -hmm. I do like the pre-rendered graphics. I think 
this game made me think that in the future people will have some sort of nostalgia for really shitty low polygon counts because I had a nostalgia towards this game. It brought me back to the mid-90s with the Donkey Kong Country, Killer Instinct, Primal Rage games, Mm -hmm. and I liked it. It felt solid. It felt good to play a game like this again. And there was just really good choices in the game, good enemy choices. Oh, yeah. The aesthetic of the orcs reminded me of <sighs> Warhammer or uh, Warcraft, the very fangy orcs where they've got an underbite with big fangy teeth, as well as all the other monsters in the game. The ogre I, with the platforms on his shoulders with the orcs shooting shit at you. Yes. Yeah, no, there's uh. just good choices in this game. And as far as the levels are concerned, each stage is a little different from the rest. And it also has a musical track that gives a little bit of ambiance. This music kind of is what I was hoping for with Gate of Doom. Gotcha. Where it's got the Dungeons and Dragons, but it's got the electric guitar yeah. mixed in. Yeah. So the music wasn't great, but it was solid. And that's what I want to say about this game. It's a very solid beat up game. I really enjoyed it. Lord of Thunder did the music right for how this should have sounded, but because of the limitations of the hardware, the sampled violins and stuff trying to do these uh, these Brian May riffs and stuff like that, it's sort of tinny. But great trolls, yes. harpies, orcs, fairies. Skelemans, necromancers. Right. Gargills. Gargamels. Skeleton dragons. <laughs> killer giants. All that magical fantasy shit. I think their version of the trolls, where they all look like they have big head mode engaged. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They look like Doom villains. Yes. Their heads are huge. They look like something that would crawl out of Doom. How could they stand up and not fall over with that head? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're so skinny. They got the big Bullum heads for kids in the hall fans out there. I don't know if you're familiar (laughs) with that. But anyway... uh, There's also familiars. There's little fairies that you could collect along the way. And what I really thought was interesting and creative in this game is there's a morality system. Oh. Did you even notice Well, yeah, I know that you shouldn't be killing the guards that are running Mm -hmm. away and the people that are running away. But I didn't know really how that worked. Well, it affects your ending. There are three different endings for this game. Oh. Oh, I got to play it again? (laughs) So, yes. So, if you're somewhere in the middle where you killed some of the innocent creatures or you killed some of the townsfolk, you'll get the normal ending where it just says, you know, the crystal still exists, so therefore it's still a threat. Mm. Now, if you're a fucking asshole and you go about (laughs) killing all the town folks and the innocent animals and destroying the sword in the stone, which is a tomb to fallen soldiers, you don't see a metric, but there's a hidden metric happening. And at the end, you decide that you're going to take the power for yourself and you take the crystal and become the new baddie. And you go through the whole credit sequence at the end of the game and then you go up to the king and slaughter him and everybody else around by summoning whatever your big summon is. For me, I saw Lustro's giant red dragon come and breathe fire and kill everybody. Now, if you make it an effort to not attack innocent animals or any of the townsfolk, you actually destroy the crystal at the end and therefore nice. securing peace for the kingdom. And you are heralded as the great hero that you are. They're all cheering you and you raise your weapon in the air and there's a big fanfare. So, yes, there, there's a morality system here. And I think the morality system is connected to the familiars you get, too, because there are three different types of fairies that you can get. There's one that actually looks kind of goth. And that's the one that's floating at the end of the bad ending. 
Okay. So when you defeat the boss at the end, the fairy's floating through all the different stages that you completed while the credits roll and then brings you back to the kingdom. When you're good, you get one type of fairy, which is the lighter one. And when you're bad, you get the one that kind of looks like a harpy or, or a bat winged mm-hmm. fairy. And then the neutral one is just that green type of fairy. That is an interesting attention to detail that I appreciate because at the time, this is when we started to see these morality systems with a lot of the RPGs coming out around this Mm -hmm. era. Another thing I really dug about this game was the boss battles. I thought all the boss battles were pretty tight. They were were fun, different from one another, and interesting. Lots of cool monsters. Yeah, you mentioned uh, before there's like a a necro dragon. Mm -hmm. There's a minotaur. Golems Uh, are in this, although they're called, I think, ground giants. Ground giants and killer giants later, which are just the ground giants with cool, uh, like, Trojan armor on. Yes. And I love the master of the underground. Uh, he's a red main giant gargoyle with a whip. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Really he was him. really cool looking. It was like a sort of like the Balrog. Because he can't yeah. say Satan in a video game. <laughs> It could, they could have just spelled it, you know, satin. Would have been there fine. you go. <laughs> Sadies. Because you do works. go to Hades. A couple things about this that set it different than what you're normally used to. There's no path choices. I would have liked that, actually. Well, sure. Because uh, the game was a little short. Yeah, yeah. but and it's, it's hard. You have to put a lot of quarters in. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like the levels get shorter the farther you get in the uh, game as well. But the enemies just get more difficult, especially the last level right. where they really want you to pump quarters into that thing. Yeah, sure. The other thing is there's no stores to power up your different things. You, you no, have those fairies. I wish fairies. that was in there as well, yeah. But you use the fairies uh, to gain your powers and things like this. Mm-hmm. And as you only briefly mentioned at the end, that you have those giant Final Fantasy-like magic attacks that can happen. Summons. Yeah. Those are really well done. It's it's hard to get powered up that much. I, at least it was for me. You get that by collecting potions to fill up your magic meter. And although I, I know you all thought I was mixing up this game with Black Tiger, you also get poisoned in this game, too. Oh, yeah, that one I know. I know you get poisoned here because you're purple. Right. So that, to me, says poisoned. You're not a lightning bolt flying around you. No, but in uh, Black Tiger, your hue is changed to a purplish hue, too, when you're poisoned. Okay, I guess I was never poisoned. Talking about difficulty, this is kind of unique about this game. When I started it up, it said I was playing the Copper Edition. Yeah, what What is that? that Yeah, I made that note as well. It was the first note I took down was just Copper Edition? Yeah, so I thought maybe there was different editions. No, this is actually letting the player know what the operator set the dip switches to as far as difficulty is concerned. So Copper is the normal edition, Silver is the hard edition, and Gold is the very hard edition. Gotcha. Copper is difficult enough. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'll say. But I thought that was an interesting side note to this game is that I don't know many games that tell you what the operator has set the difficulty to. Right. You have to look for on-screen cues and, you know, the amount of uh, players you have that continues and, of course, just the difficulty. I mean, there's not much to improve upon in this game. I thought it was a little short, but it was challenging and I did dump a fuck ton of quarters or virtual quarters into it. I would have liked to have the splitting path as well as upgrading my weapons and armor. Mm -hmm. Does it need it? 
No, you know, it doesn't really need it. Does it need more more length? No, I think it's a very complete game. I think fans of Golden Axe or the Capcom D&D games are going to get a lot out of this game. The two-player thing stuck with me. I feel like this would be a fun party game with other people because I like doing that. I like setting up MAME on the big screen television, have people play together. And I think this would have been a great game to play with other people, but just two-player for 2001 is just a strange choice, and I don't know if it's a limitation on the hardware. Mm. It's the only thing that holds this game back is knowing that it came out in 2001 and there were so many amazing beat-em-ups before it that it could have drawn stuff from, as you already mentioned, upgrading stuff in stores yeah. or uh, you know all that other business, which would have been great added into it, but it's a solid, fun thing to play through. It'll only take you, you know, maybe an hour or two maybe yeah. to get through the whole game depending uh, how good you are at the beat-em-ups. Yeah, the magic system's cool. You can do chains of attacks, which is cool. It's not one of these shallow beat-em-ups. And it is extremely colorful. Even the dark doom and gloom stages are still pulling interesting color choices. Yeah. You know, you got purples and greens and teals being mixed together. I say this a lot, but I like playing these games because it's so far removed from what we're playing now, which are a lot of browns and grays and blacks and sepia tone games. Mm -hmm. And then you play something like this, which can still be dark and doom and gloom, but there's red and yellow and purple Mm -hmm. and green used in the game. Yeah, it's all of Captain Noah's rainbow there. Yeah, it's a color coat. <laughs> no, he didn't wear a Technicolor coat. No, it's uh, Noah, coat. Noah in the Technicolored rowboat. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to tell you, Solid really comes to mind. Solid fantasy-based arcade game. Um, yeah. I, it's probably something you've never played or even heard of. So if you're Jones in for a fantasy-style game and you've played all the Capcom ones and you've played the Sega ones... You want something better than Mutant Fighter. <laughs> but yet maintaining the same cool things, except none of the, yeah. the pro wrestling, unfortunately. No, no pile drivers in this but, game. Like, I could play this... I'm not... I mean, I like Willow, you know? <laughs> More like Swallow, am I right? <laughs> Give Val Kilmer the eyes. I remember, that's sad. But Willow was a good arcade game. You know, I'd have to go back, I don't remember. Oh yeah, no, it was really good. It was it was just like Dungeons and Dragons. It wasn't really, gotcha. you know, ending, but it just started midget, you know? Mm. It's called <laughs> Small Person. I know. <laughs> and I said, it's called. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're worse than me, maybe. Yeah. Guys, they're called halflings. Okay? All right. That's great. <laughs> hmm. What are we thinking? So, oh, yeah. yeah, have fun with this. I certainly did. It sounds like everybody else did here, too. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it's neat uh, that, you know, Lung Jing uses magic in his regular attacks. You know, in most games, it would be he just hits the guy with the staff and you don't get to do anything cool until you pull off the move that, you know, takes some of your life or you use your magic. But with him, he's, he's shooting lightning all over the place. Well, I'm still going to call him Lung King. Because <laughs> I'm cool All the it. summons are really cool. Oh, Every character summon, if you can fill up that meter, is something to see. It's very, it's very cool. I like uh, Kako's the most, where it's just like it just rains. <laughs> and he just whips eaters. it out and thwaps it on the enemies. <laughs> That's why they call him Kako. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love it. It's just like a bunch. I guess they're supposed to be earth stone anteaters, rain from the sky, and just yep. run over all the enemies. I'm it's, telling it's you, they were biting a lot off of Final Fantasy, and they were biting a lot off of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Coco's close to Frodo. Chugo. 
Chocobo, yeah. And in this world, they ride anteaters instead of giant birds. They ride giant <laughs> anteaters. Oh God, I'm riding I, I pigs. A lawsuit. The guy rides pigs, doesn't he? Yeah, and there's crystals, just like in Final Fantasy. There are magical mm-hmm. crystals of different varying elements and things. There's another making mechanics, Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the fairies that bite you in Labyrinth. Yes. And, uh, and that and one the, guy And the has... caterpillar that says, hello. <laughs> right. And then no, he says, hello. If you would have went left, you could have just went right to the end boss. <laughs> and that one end boss that has the big package. Yeah. <laughs> David Bowie resting his package on Jennifer Connelly's shoulder. I gotta say, that last boss is gigantic. You can't even see his head. He yeah. fills up the whole screen, which is really cool. But the only lame thing, his name is Night Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I had a good joke and I can't remember it. So, and now here's T.T. Schmootkins with next week's We Talk Games, Video Power Magazine, Arcade Weekly, Arcade Game Audio Clue. Hello, I am Titty Scrootkins. Here is next week's We Talk Games, Video Power Magazine, Arcade Weekly, Arcade Game Audio Clue. Good luck, dudes. All right, so before we get to the finale with our good buddy Grant Henry wrapping up our Spring Fling Endless Concert Series, what's your clue for next week's game? My clue for next week is... Remember when Robin Williams punched through the door, looked at Shelley Duvall, and went, Here's Johnny. <laughs> no one's going to know what I. this game is. I don't no remember one, that either. No one has an, any idea. Uh, my clue is Kyle stole my clue. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, I was just going to say, Is Shelley Duvall in this? Okay. Well, I like to ask questions with my clues. Everybody sucks. My <laughs> clue is. I just caught 24 letters. Yeah. <laughs> it takes 24 letters to spell help. help. <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, I'm sure you know what game we're doing, and we're finally doing it because we used to talk about it constantly on uh, earlier episodes of We Talk I've Games. got the board game. And uh, so do I. Oh, I thought you gave me yours. No, I gave you, uh, I bought an additional one just for you. Oh, that's That's sweet. how much I like mine. And don't you have an official bubble pipe? I do have an official choo choo train bubble pipe. <laughs> oh, the, the they, squirt gun, man! Nothing beats that squirt gun. The, the famous catch the ball in the cup Popeye edition. <laughs> yeah, got Don't that. Don't spoiled it. You <laughs> said it. You said his name. I got a giant. I got a giant magnet. I have uh, a super magnet, I should say. I have a musical Just, instrument set. A, a the, card the game. Fufazella. Yeah, Fufazella. A magic card set. <laughs> magic um, the Gathering Popeye edition. I got the whistle that's shaped like a dick and balls in the packaging. <laughs> uh, so all that. Hey, what do we got coming up there, Kyle? Let's end the spring concert series with our good pal Grant Henry and his band, The Lonely Rolling Stars, with their track, Royal Rainbow Road. Check it out. LonelyRollingStars.BandCamp.com